We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Great. We're always keen to hear from you regarding any feedback on how you think we may be able to improve our meetings. So you can contact us using any of the details that were just on the screen. I'm now going to hand over to Jamie, who's going to share with us. Hello. Right. Well, it's good to be with you all. Um, So I've been thinking about what we've been um, talking about this month in terms of God wanting to reach reach people and being able to share uh, the story of our salvation with others. And so I've taken a little time to think for myself what that might mean. And um, some of you might be familiar with this story, but I want to share it again anyway, because it illustrates my point well. And what I would hope from my message today is that you guys would um, be able to reflect on your own experiences of God and what that meant for you. And then also um, catch a little bit of the, the energy and the excitement that God has for, for reaching people that have lost track of where he is. So um, let me start off with my little story. So this here is my son's rash vest. Now, rash vests are important because they're extra UV protected and all that kind of stuff. So we had once gone on a beach holiday, which uh, I, I don't know if, you, if you've had experience of having kids, you know, packing the bag and getting out the door is 90% of the day. Well, I'd said to my wife, to Lucy, I said, you know what, I'll, I'll pack the bag for us. So we get to the beach and we set up the little camp and uh, then uh, Lucy says to me, where's the rash vest? So, well, it's, it, it must be in the bag. You're, you're not looking properly. So we look and no, it's not there. And I I feel this kind of accusation coming at me. So I do what most people do, which is say, well, did you ask me to put it in? So I'm already kind of trying to kind of put out my my distraction signals. I then took the angle of, you don't sound very grateful for all the things I did remember to pack. That didn't really do it either because I knew it didn't actually make the rash vest appear. So then I said, don't worry, I will run back to the, the little uh, our, the, the house that we were renting and I'll get it. At which point Lucy says to me, no, I will get it. Now, I don't know if, if you feel like me, but I want to scream at that point because I, I want to be able to fix my mistake. And I realized in this story, in this experience of the rash vest, There's a lot about me in it, and it might be a lot about humankind in itself. So we all want to be faultless, but if we can't be faultless, I want to be able to pay for my misdemeanors. If if I am neither, is the rash less is there? But I've got to talk to the people now. Yeah, be quiet now. We want to we want to pay for our misdemeanors, and so. If I'm neither faultless or able to pay back, I become really agitated. I feel powerless and vulnerable and even trapped. And because I don't want to feel trapped, I don't want to feel powerless, I find excuses 
to justify my failures, I start flinging around blame because if I can take others down with me, they can't be on a higher platform to be able to judge me. But if I'm really honest, I have to know I have failed. There's no amount of excuses I can put together, no amount of sabotaging other people that's actually going to undo my failings. None of these efforts would make the rash vest appear. So then I move on to the next phase. I want to buy my way out of my failings. I want to pay my dues. I'll go and get the rash vest. I'll make up for lost time. I'll sacrifice something that I wanted to try and fix where things went wrong. But if I can't undo my failing, if I can't undo my mistake, that's really upsetting. What if I don't have the cash to pay back? That's a terrifying prospect for me. At which point I have to conclude, I need someone else that's better than me to come and rescue me. And um, the Bible talks about that, that conclusion. Paul in Romans talks about the good that I want to do, I cannot do. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from myself? And that's the truth. I need someone to rescue me from myself. And there's a movie that kind of catches that idea of rescuing. It's one of the cheesiest movies ever made. Um, sorry if you're a fan. Um, the Day After Tomorrow. So it's about this environmental disaster movie where this young guy is trapped in New York and uh, there's a flood rising up and he's calling his dad um, to find out what he should do. And so I got that clip and then I spliced in some other things to show the journey that the father came on. So let me just share that little movie clip with you. That clip there kind of shows my experience. I was in a point where the water was rising up all around me. I was in a point where I could not rescue myself. And when I cried out and said, what should I do? My heavenly father said, I will come for you. And that's what he works through the whole time. He's always looking to come for me. And he, and in that story, he endured and risked, and risked his life to, to make the distance to go and get his son. Well, my savior didn't just risk his life. He gave his life to come after me. I was trapped. I had fallen short of the glory of God. I wasn't good enough. Yet he came for me. My sin had put me in the place of God. I wasn't accepting God for who he was, the king of all. I'd acted as if I should be the one in charge of my own life. But I couldn't deny any longer I was in grave danger. There's no amount of blaming others or building up my excuses or my cases that could be sufficient. I could not save myself. I couldn't do it. it. says in Isaiah that my righteousness was like filthy rags. Even the best stuff I did, even the nicest things I could do on their own was not going to make me worthy of the glory of God or, or right before God. So I needed someone better than me to come and get me. And so he did. And therefore I'm indebted to him. And never in a lifetime will I earn enough to be able to pay back what he paid for me. Now, it's fantastic news that I'm saved. That's, that's absolutely great news. But it can also make you feel really vulnerable because I'm no longer my own man. In 1 Corinthians 6, it says, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. I was bought at a price. 
I'm not my own man anymore. Now, if this was a partnership, my salvation between me and God, even if he was the major uh, partner and I was the minor partner, you'd think there's a limit to how much he can ask of me because I've got my rights because I put in my 20, 40, 50 percent. But when I've contributed nothing to my salvation, when I've done nothing that could have earned, earned this, this terrifies me because there's no end of what he could ask of me. And in a world where we've always experienced people that have abused us or taken advantage of us, the thought of putting yourself in someone's hands that they could crush you is really terrifying. But when we take a moment and we look at Jesus on the cross, we see someone that was crushed for us. Talks about again in Isaiah that he was crushed for our sins. That's that is the most that's the safest hands to put yourself in. Someone that was crushed for your well-being is not going to take take advantage and crush you. And that's the way that it was always meant to be. That I gave myself and put myself in His hands. The God of creation is not someone that you invite to take a little. Um, personal assistant role in your life. He comes to rule. He comes to lead. And Psalm 18 talks about this, this idea of him coming to get me. It says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him and into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and he came down. And you really get the drama of a God that is stirred up by my cry. If my child was screaming out, I know what would be in me to come to comfort them, to come and get them, and that rage at anything that would look to abuse them or to hold them back from me, I, I would set my targets on those things and take them out. But why did he do it? What, what, what was his motive for coming down? Was it because I was a prize that he could put on the mantelpiece, just a notch on his belt? Was it because he felt obligated to do it? Was it bad PR if he didn't act? Well, verse 19 of, of Psalm 18 says it. He rescued me because he delights in me. He delights in me. I just, just thinking about that. He, God of creation, delights in me. I, I can't get my head around that. And... Um, there's a, a number of different verses that, that came to mind. So uh, John 3:16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. Zephaniah 3 says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but rejoice over you with singing. He sings over us. He sings over you with joy. It says in Romans, but God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love that verse because while I was still a sinner, I was still swinging punches at God. 
I still hated God. I still was competing with God. I was an enemy of God. And he died for me at that point. So I could see I had nothing to do with it. I hadn't earned it. Again, in Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Your tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Later it says, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jeremiah says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Ephesians 3, then you will be empowered to discover that what every holy one experiences the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all of its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measure that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled, overflowing with the fullness of God. As his motive, he loves us, he loves, he loves, he loves, he loves us. You see in the parable of the prodigal son, he's the father that's on the porch, just watching, eagerly awaiting and grabbing his son when he returns. Or he's the shepherd that would leave the 99 to go looking for that one sheep that's astray. And when he finds that sheep, he calls his friends and his neighbours together and he says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. God rescues me because he loves me, because he delights in me. The one that hung the stars also hung on the cross for me. The one who spoke light into existence, that spoke to the storm, speaks my name. He is jealous for me. He is mindful of me. His thoughts for me outnumber the grains of sand. I am his and he is mine. That's his motive. That's why he rescued me. That's why he came for me. But he did this at a cost. He came to live the life that I should have lived and died the death that I should have died so that I could have a relationship with him just the way that he'd always intended. Now, I know all this stuff. I've grown up in the church. I've been taught it. Just sometimes it catches me again. And just this week, while I was thinking about sharing with you, just meditating on it, thinking, wow, just rekindle something in me. He loves me. And what a way that he showed it. And the thing is, he's still searching. He's still going after the, the sheep, the sheep that are lost. But for me, the most amazing thing is now he includes me in the search party. He allows me to be part of it. And I've experienced that in a number of ways. I remember one um, youth prayer meeting many years ago. We'd been asked to write down what were the things that were blocking our friends from knowing God. And we wrote them on these pieces of paper. We stuck them on the wall. And I walked along the wall, everyone had written, and I was just overwhelmed. I was just like depressed. Like, oh my goodness, there's so many things blocking people from, from, from knowing him. And it just felt hopeless. And then the band started up and they started to sing this song. And in this song, it has this line, 
um, your cross testifies in grace, speaks of a father's heart to make a way for us. Now boldly we approach not by earthly confidence, but only by his blood. I was just blown away because in that moment I just saw there's nothing, 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 nothing that can separate us from his love. Nothing can hold us back from him. And I just felt such joy in that moment. I remember dancing and screaming and shouting like a a lunatic. Uh, I was the only person in the meeting acting like that. But just the joy of knowing he had made a way where there was no way. And that way extends to every single person, every, every one of us, every one of your friends, every one of your family, everyone that you think is too far away. God has made a way where there was no way. I remember another occasion when I was, um, I was having the conversation with this guy who, um, who told me at the beginning of the conversation, I, don't, I can't get on board with that idea of God's. I, I can't do anything about it. It doesn't, it doesn't work for me. And we were just talking. I just felt like the spirit of God just entered into the conversation. And at that moment, the guy just said to me, what, what do I have to do to be saved? I was like, whoa, what a turnaround in one single conversation. It just took me, to, to, it was that sense of, that's my God at work doing what only my God can do. And I get to watch, I get a front row seat of watching him come and rescue someone right in front of my very eyes. I've never lost that, the addiction for that. I love seeing God reach his children and be part of that search party that's found someone that gets to rejoice with the king of all creation. Thanks for a little entertainment. When I accept my need for a rescuer and I recognize God as God, but he is God and I am not. He comes and lives inside me. He fills me with his spirit. He inhabits me. Before I've talked about, it's like he zips up his Jamie suit and he wears me. And he fills me with his spirit. He uses me like an like a, like a aircraft carrier that, is, that takes planes all over the world so that they, they've got a place to strike from. They can land and refuel and shoot out from. Well, God uses me in the same way. He causes mischief from inside of me. He transforms me so that he can transform through me. And he is relentlessly pursuing the sheep that are lost. And he's still saying to each one of them, I will come for you. Do you hear me? I will come for you. And we hear it in that song, The Reckless Love. There's no wall you won't kick down. There's no mountain you won't climb over to get to me. There's no lie you won't tear down coming after me. And he allows me to be part of that. And for that, he steps over my limitations. And I was remembering some opportunities for uh, where the spirit launched out from, from within us to reach people. So I have got a colleague at work that was talking, telling me a story about really quite a difficult experience he had where um, he was um, he was taken at gunpoint from outside of a from inside a a, a restaurant um, 
by by police. Um, he was made to lay face down on the, the wet pavement um, and then handcuffed and put in the back of a police car for half an hour, all because some guy had forcefully accused him of um, armed robbery. And he, he was really quite angry about what had happened. And this is a guy that has a lot of influence over young people. Um, and I was asking him, what are you gonna, how are you gonna advise young people to be able to direct and uh, listen to authority? And as he talks, I had all my own kind of political ideas and thoughts on what he should do and shouldn't do, but none of that mattered in that moment. As he told me his experience, I just suddenly heard his pain and I just started weeping in front of him and crying. And then he started crying all in the, the, the kitchen at, at work. And it was like the spirit in me just reached out from, from, from in me and just gave the guy a hug. And he bypassed all of my uh, thoughts and ideas and politics. There was another story where, where Tanya was at a pub restaurant for, for breakfast and she felt that God wanted her to pray for the waitress. So she, she asked the waitress, yes, she started praying and then the waitress ran away. And so um, Tanya was really embarrassed. She didn't know what to do. But more important than um, her own pride, she said, I need that woman to know that you're thinking of her. And so she wrote down the, the rest of the prayer and she handed it to the woman on her way out. The woman said, I, I just felt something when you were praying for me. And God just steps over. He breaks, he breaks down. He kicks down my um, politics. He kicks down Tanya's pride. He kicks down lots of things to reach the people that he wants us to reach. And so I want God to reignite our fascination with our salvation and to bring us back to that point of realizing, you know what? There's nothing that I can do to save myself. I need someone else to save me. But thank God he did. And thank God that when he did, he didn't make me a slave, but he made me a partner. And I'm now part of the search party to see other people. So God, I ask that for everyone that's listening, you would bring those things clear to us once again. And you would give us an excitement with the gospel that we get to share. Amen. Back to you, Nick. Thank you, Jamie. That's, that's really powerful. There's nothing that I can do to save myself. Thank God that he saved me. The God of creation delights in me. He delights in you and he loves us. I think there's, there's a real opportunity for us to respond to that. So Mark's going to lead us in a final song. And just like Jamie was saying, let's, let's dwell on for those of us that know God, just that story of salvation in our own lives. And maybe for those of us who haven't experienced that, knowing that there's an opportunity now to come to that realisation, come to the position of realising that the God of creation delights in us and he wants to save us and be involved in our lives. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community 
in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at lifelineuk.com.